what we just have to call Thomas Trance erotica. Listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Thomas Drance is going to join us in a moment here to kick off hour three of our Thursday programming. Hour three is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. We're coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find a perfect fit at Kintech.net. To the phone lines we go. Thomas Drance, Athletic Vancouver Canucks Talk here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. What up, Drancer? Gentlemen, big game tonight. Should be fun. Let's go. You're, of course, talking about the Seahawks and Cowboys, right? Yeah, that one I'm not so <laughs> excited about. That's, um, uh, Drancer... That's, that's, that's a test. I don't think there's a lot of suspense about how the Pacific Northwest team will fare. Chancer, do you think this is a potential playoff preview? No, oh, man, definitely. I mean, it's definitely a potential playoff preview. I, look, you have to give the Vegas Golden Knights the respect of having won the Stanley Cup and being what they've been for the last five years, but there's no question based on underlying form, based on how both teams have looked this season, like the Kings look like they're in a different weight class than Vegas and Vancouver. And we all know what happens. You can get locked into a playoff matchup pretty early in the season, like certainly by Christmas, if you're one of those two, three matchup teams uh, in the NHL's new playoff format. So, yeah, I mean, with the way that Calgary, Edmonton, Seattle have fallen so far back, uh, with the fact that the Kings look materially like the best team in the Pacific. Yeah, I mean, I, I absolutely think there's a chance that, you know, within the next three weeks, we're like, oh, man, Vegas, Vancouver, that's what we're looking at here. Um, so, yeah, no, for sure, that's absolutely in the cards as a possibility. And, yeah, going to be interesting to see how they measure up. We, we know how they've measured up in the past. I think Vancouver's had success against Vegas, but it always feels like it's on a knife's edge, doesn't it? Yes. Right? Like, that, yeah. that's always been sort of the key there. Um, so yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they play given what we've seen from them this year, if they can actually control some play against a Vegas team that looks a little bit vulnerable five on five, although they have as well. Why do you think, uh, Vegas is stumbling? Is it down to injuries? Like they're missing Theodore and Alec Martinez, or is there just something off about the roster? No, I look, Shea Theodore's, you know, for me, a top five defenseman in this league. Like, he plays a prescribed role uh, in Vegas. You know, the, the the Golden Knights use him as a third-pairing defenseman or did in the playoffs last year, um, at least at five-on-five. Five. But in terms of his impact, in terms of his ability to drive, in terms of that offensive skill, especially sort of how he can attack, um, you know, uh, he from the right side as a lefty. 
uh, what he can do with that shot. Obviously, we all saw it when that was the shot that effectively eliminated the Canucks in the bubble. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think his injury is huge, a huge part of what we're seeing. But I also think there's probably some sleeping giant syndrome. You know, like, I didn't expect Vegas to get off to the start they did. I expected Edmonton to get off to that start. Right. Because I, I sort of thought Vegas was going to be in business in the latter stages of the season and certainly going into the playoffs. Like, that's just sort of what you expect when a team wins the Stanley Cup and parties as hard as we saw Vegas party. Mm. <laughs> um so, you know, I, I sort of thought they'd have a slow start, but, I, you know, maybe they were business-like enough to be like, okay, let's spot ourselves a lead. <laughs> and then we'll put it in cruise control for a bit. And, you know, we'll be a tough out come playoff time. Uh, it, I, for me, anyway, that's more likely than there being some sudden flaw in the roster construction, given how consistent they've been the last five years, given the age of their best players. Like, it's hard for me to imagine that this team's lost that many clicks off their fastball over the course of a summer uh, without there being an obvious reason for it. So I, I just think it's Theodore and probably pacing themselves. That, that you know, I think we can do enough respect to assume that that's you know, part of it, that there's some just like gamesmanship at play here. All right, your answer, I guess the big question in Vancouver is, is what are they going to do with their newfound cap space? Um, how quickly do you think they'll move on this? Well, probably pretty quickly. I mean, it's a Jim Rutherford team, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've been amused by people pointing out like four of the seven trades, right? In the NHL since September have been made by the Vancouver Canucks. Um, yeah. I mean, that that was kind of the case last year, too, right? Uh, the deals were more minor. It was Danica and Bear and company. But, you know, the, the Canucks have been way more active than your average team, especially in season every year. Um, there's almost like a tradition that Jim Rutherford kind of starts the trade market in the NHL every year uh, and usually around this time. So, you know, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they make a move relatively quickly. I'm look, I'm sure the team itself, like I'm sure management, I mean, you could hear Alvin was given copious opportunities, gratuitous opportunities to dunk, right. Or to declare him and his team, you know, a, a safely uh, ensconced playoff club yesterday and, and very much was reluctant to do so. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, continually pointing out that the club hasn't accomplished anything yet. Uh, they've got to be pretty keenly aware that their last 10 games has featured what a complete performance. Maybe we give them Montreal on the second leg of a back to back. Right. Yeah. You know, I'm not, I'm not being critical or negative here. I just think, you know, since they beat Edmonton on home ice, that's six, two win the, the third Edmonton victory, you know, it's been inconsistent, choppy hockey. Like there's been, that's, that's just, how they played. And, and now you look at the defense core, they're likely to roll out tonight. Um, you know, uh, Ian Cole and Tyler Myers get a maintenance day at practice yesterday. We saw Hughes and Heronic get a practice or uh, a maintenance day earlier in the week. Uh, we're seeing Hughes and Heronic regularly play close to half an hour. Um, Ian Cole took like three of the biggest hits I've seen all season in, in the game on Tuesday night. So, you know, it's not just that, they're experimenting on the back end to figure things out. It's that 
while they're experimenting on the back end to figure things out, um, they've also got, you know, Hughes and Heronic playing at a level that I'm sure they don't love big picture. They've also got, you know, the, the potential that, Hey, you have one more blue line injury and you're really reeling. Right. So, you know, I, I, I'd imagine there's at least some sense of urgency to try and get this team going again, to, to try and get some insurance um, to bolster that back end. So, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't be shocked at all if we see something relatively quick, mm-hmm. particularly in the event that this team doesn't get back to playing the way they did in the first 10 games, so especially that second sort of like that, that last week of October, that first week of November form uh, that this team had where, you know, even its biggest skeptics were looking at this group being like, oh man, what's going on? What do you see them willing to put on the table? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I saw Rick Dollywall reporting that uh, not a first, they're not going to trade their first, or, or at least not looking to trade their first. Um, you know, pretty tough, I, I suppose, to make a big impact type trade w- without sort of including that pick, given, you know, there, there's not a lot of high value trade assets in the prospect system, like outside of the NHL roster. Right. Um, but one thing about having cap space, 4.15 million and maybe a little bit of change from the Susie LTI is there aren't a lot of other teams that do. Right. So that does help you in, in terms of creating an environment where maybe, you know, it, like an Eric Brandstrom type trade, right? Where it's like a third pair defenseman in Ottawa. Maybe you think you can get more out of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he costs $2 million, So that team might be willing to part with that deal relatively affordably. Jacob Bryson in Buffalo would sort of match that description. You know, that, that peak Bachvist bean group uh, out of Columbus, right? Like there's those, that class of defensemen. And one thing I'd note is that would sort of be something of a Rutherford special, right? Like the, um, in the Marcus Pedersen, Trevor Daly rehabilitation project gamble mm-hmm. on the back end. We obviously saw it with Ethan Bear. Like that's a class of trade that we used to see Rutherford's Penguins make pretty frequently. So I, I, I could see something like that where, you know, the asset you're sending out, hey, maybe it's the 2024 fifth-round pick that you got back from uh, conditional from um, from Chicago for Beauvillier. I, I mean, it could be something like that. Um, short of that, you know, what, what, what could they pay? I mean, I, I look, I, is there a single, you know, one of these teams' top five prospects that, you, you, you know, they can, they can deal without sort of blowing a hole in their system, you know, and I don't know. So it's a, it's a tough one to answer, but I, I do think there's an opportunity to buy affordably given how limited other teams are in terms of their cap situation. And given how many of those, you know, two to $3 million depth defenders that we see struggling or getting limited opportunities on other teams. There are like Colin Miller would be another one out mm-hmm. of, out of, um, New Jersey, right? Or, or Matt Greslick, right? Guys who are making like 1.8 to 3.5. And in Greslick's case, he like a, just played 10 or 11 games for the Bruins all season. Colin Miller's only gotten into five, right? Like, could those teams value the cap flexibility more 
than the blue line depth. And is that an option for Vancouver? Those would be the sorts of situations um, that would come to mind right off the hop. I guess a big question in all this, and maybe a question for like if you're a Leafs fan too, is is Calgary going to move on some of their pieces? And if they are, when would they move? Uh, are we focusing too much on Calgary and ignoring some other options out there? And I don't think we're focusing too much on Calgary, given how prominent the buzz has been, given the way the Zadorov trade request occurred, like right after a pretty high-profile nationally broadcast game on Twitter, right? Um, I think that's the like. There's a reason why we're fo- so focused on Calgary, right? And, uh, I think it was the splashy way that the availability or potential availability of some of these players came to our attention. So, I, you know, I don't think we're focused too much on them, but you know, they don't owe anybody anything, right? I mean, you can request a trade, but when you're under contract and you're a professional mm-hmm. um, who's not going to withhold services, uh, which is basically the situation Zadorov's in. Like, you know, they're they're under no meaningful obligation to help you out at the moment anyway. So, you know, they play better of late. They've won more games of late. But I don't – I really struggle to imagine that Calgary can string together the kind of run they need. But they're, they're basically at uh, the point of being a 50-50 coin flip playoff team already, right? I mean, you have one good week. The, the West has been kind of soft in that wild card range all season. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, they're there, they're there with the puncher's chance. And I think so long as they're there with the puncher's chance, you know, we, I mean, that team's, this doesn't feel like that team's changed direction like four times already this season. Yes. Like they were about to sign Hannafin. <laughs> they didn't sign Hannafin. You know, it was like, it was like, man, Calgary, if they don't win, all these guys are going to leave. And then it was like, everyone wants to stay. And then it's like, eh, Calgary's not sure they want everyone to stay. And now we're in this mode where it's like, yeah, but they're not ready to trade anyone yet because they've won for a week. I mean, that's the ultimate wild card organization right now. It feels like just because it, it, you know, feels like their plan seems to change, or at least what we publicly understand about their plan seems to change with the wind. Um, you know, on a on an almost day to day basis. Um, what is Andre Kuzmenko doing out there that is so upsetting, Rick Tockett? Yeah, look, line changes was something that he was willing to explicitly identify when when asked. Uh, that's not a surprise, right? We've been talking about that. I've been writing about that. Um, you know, I don't think he's putting his body into guys reliably enough. There was still a sequence where he was on the forecheck where he could see the reaching in his return to the lineup on Tuesday. Um, you know, when, when he's a big-bodied guy, right? Like, he's hard to move at the net front, right? When, when there've been games where he'll put his body into opposing four checkers, for example, like the Ottawa game was not a good game for the team, but I thought was a pretty assertive physical game for him. And when he does it, he can separate, you know, puck carriers from the puck. Like Mm. he, he has, you know, a, a pretty interesting, maybe a little high risk, but like, effective way of reading as sort of an F2, F3, kind of a second layer guy on the forecheck where, you know, especially when he combines that with the willingness um, to get inside on puck carriers, like he can create turnovers and he's skilled enough to make, to do damage off of that. And, you know, there was at least one sequence against the ducks. That's just in my mind's eye where instead of seeing him try to do that, you, you instead sort of see him reaching, right. And, 
um, not necessarily being very hard to get by. And there you go. The, the breakout's coming at the Canucks defenders 50 feet away, and puck carrier has speed. And, yeah. you know, that's connected holistically to what Kuzmenko had done in the offensive zone. So, you know, I think that's a big part of it. Um, you know, I didn't see anything wrong with the line changes in his return. I did see some reaching. Uh, I didn't see a big off uh, like turnover at the offensive blue line. But for me, anyway, those have been sort of the three things that I've most regularly spotlighted mm-hmm. that have been most noticeable to me. Uh, and and I certainly saw one of the three in, in his game in his return on Tuesday. And then you know, no offense. Like at some point, this team. Well, I thought the Pedersen line was the Vancouver's best, probably, especially in the third period. So, you know, I I, I thought he was good. Like, I, I'd probably go one shade higher than fine. But, you know, I can see some of the habits, and I, I think you can understand Tockett's frustration, especially given that, you know, the, the it's, it's like for me, the two-way game hasn't really been there this season, but I, I don't know that it was last year either. Like, mm. I, I kind of just think that, that line has bumped into, you know, a little bit of regression. Um, They're not getting bounces. Um, And I think that we're sort of overplaying a couple storylines there in terms of Kuzmenko's struggles, maybe Pedersen fighting injury, uh, when, you know, realistically, I don't know that we could have expected that line to convert 13% of their shots. Um, you know, every time they're on the ice going forward the way they did last season. And when you're sort of a player that, in my view anyway, benefits a lot from from the efforts of an elite guy you play with, right, Kuzmenko with Pedersen, it's like if Pedersen starts to sputter, I think everything looks a little quieter around Kuzmenko. Well, I was just uh, – that was going to be my next question for you. How much of this Kuzmenko storyline is related to Petey's level of play right now? And what is Petey's level of play right now, in your opinion? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's still extraordinary. Like, that's the that's the other thing that we're, I think, missing on this Pedersen thing is, you know, I think he's bumped into a run of games where his finishing rate or the finishing rate with him on the ice has been, like, mortal as opposed to Stamkos-like. And this has kind of been the story. Like, we've only ever really seen Pedersen go through, like, like shooting percentage hell for 40 games. But over the course of that 40 games, you know, there were people in this market calling for him to be reassigned to the American League. But that wasn't just a shooting percentage thing, Drancer. It it wasn't, but that was the biggest part of it. Like, there was injury stuff. There was definitely off-ice stuff. There was a lack of play driving. Like, you know, he he didn't look right. Don't get me wrong. He didn't look right, yeah. But he also had a, you know, three and a half, four percent on-ice shooting clip. And... You know, I, I think some of the histrionics, anyway, were probably connected to that. You know what I mean? Like when when you're trucking along at four and a half, every mistake looks an awful lot different than it does when you're trucking along at thirteen percent. Mm-hmm. Um, now, last year, you know, and this is this is like if you go look at who's led the NHL in on ice shooting percentage since the start of last season, so we're talking about like a hundred and five game sample. Number one, Ilya Mikheyev. Number two, Andre Kuzmenko. Number three, Elias Pettersson. Right? It's like that line. Everything has gone in for them. Everything went in for them last year. And we know what Kuzmenko did with a historic individual on ice shooting percentage on and on. Um, you know, did this year, especially the last 10 games, that's come back to earth. And it's like, it's only come back to earth for that line. 
every other Canucks line is still super overheated. And so we're really focused on Pedersen. And, and meanwhile, you know, if you go look at defensive impact, offensive impact, the impact of how many penalties he draws, the way that he's found sort of subtle ways to influence games. I mean, whether it's a wraparound because a goalie is punching his line mate or, uh, or, or throwing a massive hit on Kalen Addison and drawing a penalty, Matthew Kachuk yeah. style with his team trailing, like, you know, I still think he's found a way to impact games. And, and overall, if you look at, you know, Dom LeCision's net rating thing or um, evolving hockey's goals above replacement metric, like they'll all tell you he's a top five forward in this league. But so, you know, I, He's been incredible. He's been incredible. I just think with the fact that goalies save percentage with him on the ice looks more like, you know, an early 90s save percentage as opposed to a, or let's say a late 90s save percentage, even worse, as opposed to, you know, that 1980s 5'9 goaltender who's smoking an intermission save percentage that we're used to goalies maintaining when Pedersen's on the ice. Uh, You know, I, I think that messes with our perception a lot. And I think we've been maybe sort of overfitting some narratives onto what might just be guy has a 10 game run in which his shooting percentage is normal as opposed to massively elevated by multiple standard deviations. Uh, Is there anything in your eye test though right now, Drancer, is there anything in your eye test though that's, that gives you the, he seems a little off there. There was like a week ago and there isn't right now. You know what I mean? Like I, I think I, I thought there was probably something to do with an injury a week ago. And then over the course of the last week, I've been watching and, you know, I think he's playing pretty well. I just don't think the finishing's there. You know, like one thing, one thing that stuck out to me, for example, is on the power play, right? It felt to me like he wasn't shooting as much. So then I went and checked the numbers. I'm like, oh man, it doesn't feel like he's shooting as much. His shots per 60 rate last season on the power play, 12.59 per hour. His shots per 60 rate this season on the power play, 12.59 per hour. Right? It's just like at some point, your eyes lie to you, man. You know what I mean? Like there is, there's a reason I pay attention to the data, and it's because sometimes everyone will start talking about a thing. Pedersen's hurt. Pedersen's hurt. Pedersen's not playing well. And then you look at the data, and you're like, man, I don't think there's a – like, there's no case for this. You know, I'm, he's not shooting. So his shot rate's identical. Identical, both on the power play and at even strength. I don't identical. think his shot looks as good, though. He, oh, let, okay. he let a wrister go a little while ago. I can't remember the game, and I was like, oh, that looked off. Yeah, no, and I mean, I still think there are shots that he's passing up on the power play that he was taking earlier in the year, right? Mm-hmm. Like, But I also think we're probably overrating the impact. Um, honestly, I do. Like, at some point, if a guy's in the lineup, if a guy's able to be in the lineup, if there's not a lot of suspense about him being in the lineup game to game, and if he's not getting practices off, and it's been weeks since he got a practice off, like, we have to judge him like he's healthy, whether or not he's fully healthy or not, because no one's fully healthy over the course of an 82-game season. And, you know, with Pedersen anyway, it just feels a lot like, well, Besser, you know, I don't know that there's the same velocity on his shot. Like, it feels like all that stuff that we've done year after year, depending on Besser's shooting percentage. Um, you know, for me anyway, this, this is like gut check stuff where I think looking at the data and understanding it actually probably helps you more, in my opinion, in terms of understanding what's going on than sort of speculating about injury stuff. That makes sense. That's just how I view it. Drancer, good stuff today, bud. Thanks for doing this. Enjoy the game tonight. Should be a good one. We'll do this again next week. 
Cheers, boys. Bye. See you, buddy. Tip. Thomas Trance from the Athletic Vancouver and Canucks Talk here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. We're up against it for time. We're going to come back. We're going to do What We Learned's Humanoid Edition. I'm going to do a What We Learned. I don't know who else is going to do a What We Learned. I threw intern I'm Joseph. going to do a What We Learned. Jason's going to do a What We Learned. Yeah. Intern Joseph has been thrown on the spot. Laddie's going to do a What We Learned. Andy is just staring into the... No, he's shaking me off. Got to be a better way to say that. You're listening to the Halford and Brett Show on Sports oh, God. <laughs> 650. Hitting the most important topics for Vancouver sports fans. The People's Show with Vic Nazar. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now for my favorite part of the show. What did I say? Talk to the audience. Oh, God, this is always dead. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. On the show. 8.32 on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in Hour 3 of the program. It is what we learn time. Hour 3 is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound? Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. It's a personal goal of mine to hit that every time. You're a little early this time. I don't know. It's like four or five seconds there. Just got excited. Finished a little early. <laughs> happens to everyone. <laughs> what we learned. All right. We're uh, getting canceled. Why? Because <laughs> I finished early? Come on. Happens to a lot of people. We said way worse on this show. Medication for that. Okay, let's get uh, intern Joseph on the microphone here because he's going to kick off what we learned. Now, yesterday, he was like Dylan spitting hot fire about the Toronto Raptors, and obviously the Toronto Raptors listened because they went out and had their best performance of the season, snapping the Phoenix Suns' seven-game winning streak with a 112-105 victory. Uh, what do you have? So in light of this, there's a lot of additional pressure on today's What We Learned because yesterday's had such a profound effect on the world. Yeah, he's going to be like, I think uh, What We Learned, the Canucks need some help on the right side of the defense. I'm like, okay, all right. Without further ado, intern Joseph, what's your What We Learned? Yeah, uh, today or yesterday, I learned that it's way too early to write off Uri Slavkovsky. He's been really, really good lately. I think he has five points in his last seven games. And with him, he's got all the physical tools. It's just in between the ears. He just needs repetition. So, okay, I got... I was not expecting a Slavkovsky, uh, what we learned But there. you know what? This is actually a good thing because I've been meaning to kind of catch up on that story because mm-hmm. it's been one of the big things. That, like, we haven't paid attention to Montreal at all no. this year. No. And for a variety of reasons. Like, one, they're kind of in this stage of the rebuild where you, you accept whatever's going on as long as it's not a disaster. And then when it's a disaster, you kind of cover it up by saying, ah, they're learning. Slavkovsky, honestly, I have to be, I asked my, I was like, was he first overall? He was, he was the, the first, first, overall, first overall pick. First ever Your eyes, Slavkovsky. Yeah. So what's gone on recently that has led you to this, what we learned? Yeah, so he has five points in his last seven games, okay. all at even strength, because okay. he's not really playing on the power play. Okay. And with him, he's, he's so big, he's so strong, he's fast, he's got an excellent wrist shot, he just needs time. And you could argue that maybe you should have the AHL last year like he sure. was hurt for uh, most of the last season he only played 39 games but with him like he 
if he hits his like, is he, is he going to score 100 points? Probably not in the NHL. Okay, but if he can reach his potential, I see no reason why he can't become like prime Jamie Ben. So again, where where are the Habs fans on this? That is a high bar, by the way. Prime Jamie Ben. <laughs> That is a very, very high bar. Um, where, where are Art they, Ross winner? Where are they on the whole thing with regards to that pick? Because it's so early. It's a 2022 first round pick, so it's early to start writing him off as a bust or whatever. But I know those conversations have been out there. Yeah, uh, there's definitely some consternation yeah, between right. with Habs fans. Um, Who's going to be the best player in that draft? Logan Cooley. That's what I think, at least so far. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's lots of time for Shane Wright as well. Jonathan Lekaramaki. <laughs> Simone Nemich was number two overall. He hasn't played a game in the NHL yet. It's just Cooley and uh, Shane Wright, right? That's it. Uh, those guys who haven't played in the NHL as far as the top ten picks go? No, because Wright's with the Kraken oh, now. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Other guys have played in the NHL. Oh, okay. Yeah. There we go. All right. Pavel Minshikov, 10th overall. There's a bunch oh, of guys. Right, right, right. There's a bunch of guys that have played. Yeah, he plays NHL. regularly with him. David Yurichek, yeah, right, uh, okay. Kevin Korchinski in Chicago. Oh, yeah, Korchinski. Forgot yeah. about him. Korchinski, who sounds like a Chicago cop. That's true. That's been kicked off the force. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, good job, intern Joseph. You've done great work this week. It's been a pleasure having you here. And in tri- typical Halford and Bruff fashion, we say goodbye by moo cowing you away. Uh, you I'm know, honored. You know Thank what? The, you. the intern really the highest praise you can get is getting mood off the air. The intern really knows how to hit the hot button topics in Vancouver. Yesterday it was basketball, and today it was Yuri Slavkovsky. But talk. we'd all been talking about it. But that's the thing is that this is a sports show, mm-hmm. and sometimes you and I don't we have the bandwidth to do these things. Yeah. That's why we need youths that are into <laughs> basketball and Slovakian hockey players. The classic Sens fan in Vancouver <laughs> and a Sens guy as well. Slo- Slovakian hockey player—they're all over TikTok. Uh, I learned this is a very, very me what we learned because it involves an old athlete, um, Andre Dawson. Uh-huh. Uh, they called him the Hawk. I remember. Um, he has written a letter to the Baseball Hall of Fame okay. requesting that they change the cap, the baseball hat on his plaque from the Montreal Expos to the Chicago Cubs a decision the Hall made that he disagreed with as soon as it was made when he got into the Hall like 13 years ago. Um, okay, first, why is he doing this? What was the impetus? Well, the Expos don't exist anymore, Mike. I don't know if you I think know he this. always felt... But the Expos didn't exist when he went in. He didn't get to pick. I hat. think maybe he always felt more strongly about being a member of the Chicago Cubs. Like This was a long time ago. This is mid-'80s, but... Andre Dawson wanted out of Montreal because the turf at Olympic Stadium was killing his knees. And then he went to the Cubs, really worked to get his way there because it was a, you know, there was collusion between the owners that he had to deal with. But once he got there, he won an MVP with the Cubs. So I think he always felt not that he didn't like his time in Montreal. He was dying to leave Montreal. But I always think, I think that he just felt more that he was a cub and that he wanted to be remembered by people that went and saw him as a member of the Chicago I, I'm just, I'm just wondering why, like why now? Because Andre Dawson is 69 years old. Maybe he just finally had time nice. to write the letter. Andre Dawson is 69 nice, years nice, old. Nice, nice, So players could make this decision um, through 2001, right. but then the Hall took over the decision of which cap you'd wear on the plaque. Um 
in 2002, and I'm just reading from a news article here, the change followed reports in 1999 that Tampa Bay offered to compensate the newly retired Wade Boggs if his plaque bore a Devil Rays logo. Boggs was inducted in 2005, and his plaque has a Boston Red Sox logo. So I think they were concerned that... You know, it would go to the, the the caps would end up going to the the highest bidder. Yeah, God forbid. Um, and then and then money would start affecting sports. Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> man, <laughs> and you can't have that. Man, we don't want to sully baseball's good name with and money. Anyway, I I just wonder how Expos fans feel about this. That's probably kicking the teeth, but they've had plenty of those. Yeah, they're used to. It. I was like, yeah. I don't have any teeth left. That's All right. right, give us a mooka on this. From Andre Dawson, we go to Andre Onana. The uh, under fire goalkeeper for Manchester nice United. Yeah, who yesterday uh, played a key role in what will likely be Manchester United's ouster from Champions League. Andre Onana was a very, very highly publicized, uh, high cost, high paid transfer this past summer. Mm-hmm. And he was designed to fix all that ailed Manchester United in goal with the aging David De Gea on his way out. Onana last year was brilliant. Was playing with Inter, uh, was a great keeper in Serie A, and his exploits really came forth in the Champions League where he backstopped Inter all the way to the final where eventually they lost to Man City. Along the way, in the knockout stages, Onana was brilliant. Five clean sheets in six matches. He was great. Now he's gone to United and it's just been a complete debacle. Mm-hmm. Awful. Has it, he been just like downright bad? Just terrible. Yeah. Terrible. Shot stopping, awful. Confidence shattered. Mm-hmm. Two free kicks yesterday. The the second one was so egregious. You just you don't even know what to say at the end of it. And this has been in a season where it's been mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake. Now And Ten Hag is like, I could use a save. Now the thing with Ten Hag is um <laughs> He knows Onana back in their days when they were at Ajax together. Mm -hmm. So this was sort of his personal touch on the side. Not only was this guy one of the best keepers in Europe last year, but it was also, oh, he's got a relationship with the gaffer. They're going to be great together, just like they were back in Ajax. And it's been an unmitigated disaster. Is Ten Hag going to survive much longer? I don't know. As the manager, I think he'll be fine. I don't know. Uh, They're a mess. Mm -hmm. For the amount that they've splashed into this club. And they had two... Two goal leads against Galatasaray yesterday. Like, oh, they needed a victory to stay alive in Champions League. They're pretty much dead now. And it just all fell apart. Also, Has Manchester United ever truly recovered since Alex Ferguson left? No, not really. But the, the, the more savvy analysis is that ever since the Glazers got in there, that's been the real problem. It's not a right. Gaffer thing. It's an ownership thing. And at the same time, you've got Manchester City becoming a powerhouse. Yeah, and right? they've, got, they've got a new guy. Sir Jim Ratcliffe is coming aboard as a 25% stakeholder. Oh, yeah, right. Sir Jim. Sir Jim, mm-hmm. not to be confused with Slim Jim, which is just... Or pepper. Earthworm Jim. That, yeah, I don't know what that is, but Slim Jim is just pepperoni. But anyway. Earthworm Jim is a video game where you play a gym, <laughs> Earthworm. It was also a show. You're not in a gonna space get the, suit. You will not get these tangents on any other show, I guarantee you, where we go from uh, Manchester United to... Uh, pepperoni to a video game <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, also after some Uri Slavkovsky talk and Andre Dawson the diversity on this show is second to none here by the way before we go uh, I'm I'm wedging in the soccer talk the footy talk right now because tomorrow it's the first of two farewell matches to the greatest Canadian footballer of all time Christine Sinclair we're gonna have John Herdman her former coach 
on the show tomorrow. And then we're working on a second guest for next week when they play at BC Place. 40,000 tickets sold. Are you going to go? I'm going to try and go. I am going to try to go. I have to get yeah. my tickets sorted out still. Mm-hmm. I got all my cool connections. Hopefully they'll take care yeah, of get me. Get me some too. No, they're just for I me. refuse to pay for tickets now. Yeah. I am entitled. Yeah. <laughs> That's the important takeaway from Christine Sinclair's <laughs> retirement game is that Jason and I are very entitled. Okay, Moo Cow. All out. Can I please do mine with audio? Yes, laddie, go. I learned that Weird Al may have pulled a fast one on Spotify yesterday, you guys. Explain. You guys know all these Spotify wrapped uh, stuff that people were posting. It's sure hard do. to miss it, right? I mm-hmm. sure do. Uh, some of the A lot artists, of you listen to Canucks talk far too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Central, for that matter. More than just this show, for some reason. Uh, (laughs) Weird Al left a message for his fans that were in his top listeners or whatever. In in their little video, they got a a little message from him. And I don't think Spotify screened these messages before they sent them out, you guys, listening to this one. Hey, how you doing? Al here. Uh, Look, I'll make this really quick. I I just want to thank you all for your amazing support. It's my understanding that I had over 80 million streams on Spotify this year. So uh, if I'm doing the math right, that means I earned $12. So, uh, you know, enough to get myself a nice sandwich at a restaurant. So from the bottom of my heart, thanks for your support and uh, thanks for the sandwich. So a little bit of shots fired there at Spotify for the low rates that they give the artists for the number of plays that they get. Question, and this goes to the cinephiles in the studio. Has anyone watched the Weird Al movie starring Harry, UHF? Potter? Harry Potter? Not UHF. Oh, the oh the the, the, the new the one. biopic. Yeah, no, yeah. I have not. No, I want to though. Have you? No. It's I, apparently really good. I I hate doing this on the heels of Andre Dawson, but it's uh, IMDb ranking is Six point nine. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Too many sixty nine jokes. Um, I, I, yeah. Well, Harry Potter playing Weird Al, and also you're a. Are you a biopic or biopic guy? And I say biopic. What do you Who say? says biopic? Lots of people. Biopic. It's, it's, what? It's a debate raging online. No, it's not. Biography. Picture. Biopic sounds like some sort of. I've got to go to the hospital. It's a surgery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I got to get a biopic, biopic here. <laughs> <laughs> Things aren't looking it's, good. It's negative. No. It's like no. Negative's a good thing. Um, I have never heard biopic. Go ever. I'm not making this up. I would not make this up. Sometimes you lie. Why would I lie about this? I don't know. What would my end game be? Other like it's if you go uh, Google it, there's a debate about how it should be pronounced. Is it biopic or biopic? <laughs> okay. I'm serious. Okay, fine. I Is it epitome you. or epitome? I know you waste a lot of time on the internet, so I I'm sure you found it. All right, Mook give out. us a mook on that. Let's print out some submissions into the Dunbar Lumber text line. What we learned, Humanoid Edition, is brought to you by Get Fire Plan. Protect what matters most with comprehensive fire safety plans, monthly audits, and risk mitigation at $200 off. Visit them online at getfireplan.com. Oh, my God! We're having a fire plan! If any listeners have watched the Weird Al biopic, you can uh, please text us with your reviews. I want to know. I want to know if I should watch it. Weird Al had a procedure done, and he recorded his bio- biopic, and you could watch it online if you want. What we learned from Derek, the serial guy, Patrick Alvine is a quick attacking shark GM. The minute the Perry issue was announced, Alvine jumped on that as an option to move cap. Yeah, he did. I mean, we we all did. <laughs> we all went as soon as Taylor Hall went down and then Corey Perry. Oh, I wonder if the the Blackhawks are, are going to need some veteran wingers yep. uh, to surround Connor Bedard. But uh, Patrick Alvine got it done. And you you also have to remember that 
the Canucks held pretty firm in that we're not giving up sweeteners. We're yeah. not, we're not yeah, doing yeah, yeah. it. And ultimately, they didn't, and they were able to move Bovillier and even get a fifth-round pick back. Uh, Tyler, this is a... <laughs> It's tagged as an Andy, what we learned. So an A-W-W-L. What we learned... I got very excited when I read this, by the way, because I didn't know it was a thing. Rumors are that McDonald's in Canada will be adding adult Happy Meals to the menu. I assume this oh means... Oh, my God. I assume this means they're not adult-themed, but it's the portions are yeah, relative... What is this toy? <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is vibrating really aggressively. You know... <laughs> Everyone Sometimes knew, you just set them up and all knock them down. Everyone knew the joke was laying out there. Yeah, McDonald's is now being sued by many different uh, do you think families. It, do you think McDonald's, McDonald's thought about this? They're like, "What are, are we opening ourselves up to toy jokes?" With yeah, this? yeah. Anyway, uh, it's about well, so many housewives <laughs> lining up for their. It's about the whole Happy Meal. It's here. about the portion size. This is ridiculous. This is, uh, lubricant or is it like ketchup? <laughs> now you've gone too far. You've taken it a step too far. What do we know about this other than all the offside jokes we just made? Or are you just excited about the portions? I haven't, I haven't heard of this. Uh, so this is very exciting. Yeah, I assume what Bruff is saying, like just adult portions in the Happy Meals. He's vibrating oh, with excitement said, right, right now, you guys. Said. I'm very excited about this. I'm, I'm most excited to see what kind of toys the adults get. Oh, God. Uh, like what's going to be in the adult Happy Meal. Please just stop talking. Chet and Burnaby, <laughs> what we learned. I don't have the radio on yet, and my coworker just asked, why aren't your hockey clowns on? Yeah, I Hello, said, new ad campaign. Uh, I was going to say, we're going to change the name from Halford and Bruff to Hockey and Clowns, and it, it'll work. Yeah. It's very, very uh, descriptive. Hockey Clowns. McKenzie with what we learned. Edmonton going from one of the worst teams in the league to decent wildcard potential at worst in the span of one week simply because they have the best player infuriates me. Dead used to mean Dead. I hope the Canucks dominate tonight so we can roar just as loud. Connor McDavid is on a heater right now. He went from like somewhere in the 50s in NHL scoring to 10th in three nights. Yeah. Because he had like 19 points in three games. (laughs) (laughs) And if you look at the standings, um, again, like we've, we've said this. Time and time again on the show, like the the wild card does not look super tough to attain. And are you, you know, Nashville's hot right now. They've won six in a row. Probably most people expect them to cool off a little bit. Who else really like scares you in this wild card race to the point where the second wild card would be super hard to attain? Yeah. You it's know, it, like right now I go, I, so I've gone back and forth. in the weeds is scary. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's scary for what if you're uh, what if you're a first place team in the division? What if like, imagine so the LA Kings have been knocked out two years in a row mm-hmm. by the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah. Imagine if the Kings win the division and end up with like the top seed in the conference, and then Edmonton just sneaks in, and then you've got Edmonton and LA, and LA's like, come on, man. Well, yeah. at least we got a home ice. <laughs> uh, D's nucks. With a what we learned. Hashtag WW what we learned. My Halford and Bruff Spotify rap was at 69,420 minutes. Nice. 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 The world is balanced. Um, uh, so these are making the rounds on the socials right now, right? Everyone, do you guys, I don't have a Spotify. Yeah. Do you want to know who my favorite, my top band are? I do want to know what your top band is. It was is. the Wiggles. Oh, you're in. The I have a child. Mine too. <laughs> I have a child. Andy does not. That's the funny part. Um, do you Spotify? 
No, I have I use actually YouTube music because okay. I have a YouTube premium account, so that's that's what I use. Um, it's it's kind weird. of it's yeah, no, but you know, you're not the first of, person I heard say that. Most of my music is like '80s music anyway. <laughs> like I don't listen to a lot of new music, believe it or not. Yeah, I I guess this is content for people. I sat and Dan talked about it for a lot of minutes. Yesterday. I like seeing people's music tastes. I don't I don't mind mm-hmm. all the posts. I no, it just makes me people. feel so out of touch. I saw somebody uh, that. Uh, like that Hall and Oates song. Out of ah, touch. Okay. A good tweet I saw. Man, like this is a man eater. <laughs> um, Spotify. This is like the perfect way that they're able to make. We're tracking your data friendly. Yes, it's like the ultimate. Like w- yes, we are tracking your da- data, but we are going to make it fun. Yeah, we're doing it in a fun way. Yeah. It's cool. Uh, Glenn in Richmond. What we learned: Canada soccer. I imagine this is the men's team. Dropped three spots to number forty-eight, and are now ranked between Greece and Venezuela. Coincidentally, all three federations have similar economic circumstances. <laughs> yeah. It's not, I mean, so we, speaking of things that had like the one year anniversaries and doing the Spotify rap, it was just a handful of days ago. I think we actually did it as what we learned. Mm-hmm. It was the one year anniversary of Alfonso Davies scoring in the opening minutes against Croatia at the World Cup. And I remember talking about the fleeting moment of pure, unadulterated joy, sports joy in that moment. Yeah. And then how awful things have been in the subsequent 12 months. Mm-hmm. There's not been one good moment. For that Canadian men's team. I think maybe they had a good moment at the Gold Cup when they forced extra time against the U.S. Yeah. And I'm really grasping at straws. That was the Herdman spin, at least. I'm really grasping at straws here. Outside of that, there hasn't been much. It's been disappointing to watch them fall back down the ladder. I wonder, when we're talking to Herdman tomorrow, I wonder how much he'd be willing to share about the situation with Canada soccer right now. Probably not much. Probably he's moved on. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, he's usually might, willing to talk, though. Yeah, I mean, we can get into it. Yeah. You should probably focus on Christine Sinclair. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. like, I mean, But when you have an opportunity to talk to John Herdman well, and have I think all we're this go- stuff going on. You know on. what? I will say, he's been good and because now he's no longer having to go through the Canadian Soccer Association, mm-hmm. which is a nightmare to deal with. Um, I, You know, he's he's a very curious... Yeah, it's crazy. By the way, like, we're trying to reach out to um, former teammates of Christine yeah. Sinclair, so we're trying to go through Canada Soccer because we want to promote this game. We want to help do our part to promote this game. Trying being the keyword. And, and, and getting get people out to the, to the stadium and give Christine Sinclair the send-off that she deserves, and it's like... It's like pulling teeth trying to get it like even in it's touch with so Canada strange. Soccer. Yeah, like yeah. I So as a producer, what do you have to go through? Well, there's multiple I'm not gonna go into the work details. There's multiple avenues, but I have an easier time booking like NFL players than Canada <laughs> soccer players. I don't yeah. know what it is about Canada soccer. We have to reach out directly to the athletes. I think that's the key to this. It's whole it's thing. very it can be very challenging. Okay. Um the music means a variety of things. One, again, intern Joseph, great having you this week. Best of luck with everything in your career moving forward. You see how high it can get and also how low it can get all in one week. So best of luck with everything. We got to go. There's a Canucks game tonight. It's Ask Us Anything Friday tomorrow. We'll be back to the week with a whole lot of fun. And Jason, a new sponsor is on board for Ask Us Anything Friday. Oh, yeah. And there will be prizes. That's all I'm going to say. You have to tune in tomorrow to find out what it's all about. Signing off for now, I have been Mike Alford. He's been Jason Bruff. He's been A-Dog. He's been Laddie. He's been intern Joseph. This has been the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.